I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik, and I'm honored today to have a special guest on the show. Special guest is John Zent. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. I appreciate being here at Hornady. Awesome. Yeah, and I say special guest because special not just to Hornady, but special to the shooting industry and certainly to the NRA publications. You know, when you think about American Rifleman, American Hunter, and all those, I mean, there's a lot of us my age that grew up reading a lot of the things that you wrote, and it is an honor. Well, yeah, I worked for NRA publications for almost 40 years, uh, both Rifleman and Hunter, and actually all of the various publications that came along after them. Uh, and, and there was quite a lot of different titles, uh, Shooting Illustrated and uh, uh, Shooting Sports USA. And, and so, uh, you know, that was a great job, a dream job for right. me. And uh, I did retire a couple of years ago uh, from it. I miss it s- somewhat, but I'm, I'm happy not to be hunched over a computer a lot of the time now. And, uh, sure. You know, other things to do. Yeah. Well, and it feels like, you know, you've been retired, but we've called you out of retirement for a couple <laughs> work assignments. I've got, I've got some projects ongoing with NRA publications. And as a matter of fact, they gave me another title of editor emeritus on American Rifleman just to coerce me to come and, <laughs> and do some jobs for them when they have need for me. And so that's worked out pretty well uh, for both of us. And, uh, and uh, it is fortunate that I get to meet uh, with old friends like I did today with Steve and Jason Hornady, mm-hmm. but also get to meet to somebody new or newer mm-hmm. to the media side of the industry like you. Yeah, well, it's definitely an honor, and I want to talk more about the experiences you've had with okay. Jason and Steve yeah. over the years, and it doesn't sound like 40 years was quite enough of your time for the NRA, <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But before we do, uh-huh. anytime I have a special guest on the show, I like to rewind the clocks uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of us, uh, a lot of the listeners, most of the guests on the show are just our guys. And when we're young boys, right. there's usually something like there's a lot of similar traits that we all had. So what was young John Zent doing growing up? Where'd you grow up and were you immediately drawn to the outdoors? Yeah, I grew up in uh, right near the Mason-Dixon line, just south of it in Maryland, uh, just south of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And so, uh, yeah, I, I uh, got the go up to the battlefield a lot when I was a kid. That was a really a neat thing. And I learned a lot about what happened there and, and got interested in the civil war, but we had a family farm and and my dad would take me hunting a little bit there. Uh, But then uh, I had a couple of uncles and uh, older cousins who would come up to go bird hunting in the fall. And so uh, somewhere along the line, I started to tag along with them I was carrying a wooden gun at first, but uh, <laughs> then things would, uh, as things progressed, they would uh, hand me their sh- one of their shotguns and I'd get to, you know, have my turn. And uh, and that really is what got me hooked on both hunting and shooting. Uh, and I just, uh, I really haven't looked back since then as really? far as the hunting goes. I've really loved it. Uh, I never imagined that I would get to do as much as I did have gotten to do and, and uh, many parts of the world and I think I would have loved it just as much if I hadn't mm-hmm. but uh it it really made it even that much better for me yeah as fate would have it you as would have loved it either way it. but you right. got to go do it mm-hmm. all over the world and so uh growing up hunting and again a lot of us have that shared experience where 
it was just what the family did. And so you have those right. feelings and emotions of this is what we do. This is fun. And I love when my cousins come and we get to go do bird hunting. And that's really neat. So growing up as a young man, uh, did you immediately try, okay, can I find a job that's in the well, outdoor space? Or you know, that go? I actually, in high school, at, in our library, we would get uh, some of the big outdoor magazines. And then my father uh, had a trucking business. And so his drivers would bring those kinds of magazines into the break room and leave them laying around. So I was seeing the American Rifleman and eventually American Hunter, Outdoor Life, and some of the others. and Pennsylvania Game News was a big one in our area, and uh, and I I had thoughts back then, uh, back as far as high school that you know I I'd like to work on this you know this you know I was really drawn to them and mm-hmm. started to have the thought that I would work on that. Uh, and then I I ended up working most of the time after I got out of high school in the trucking business, and 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 I would still go hunting when I could, but you know that wasn't taking me to a career in uh, outdoor writing or, or magazine production. Uh, mm. But eventually I did get it together. You know, I'm going to have to go to college. I, I came to that realization and did. And then once I got out, I was kind of obsessed with, with trying to get a job uh, on one of these magazines. And wow. I just started knocking on doors. And really? I really didn't have the background for it uh, as far as professional background. But... I was persistent, and uh, eventually uh, NRA gave me a chance. Really? That just, you know, uh, you know, it just worked out great. Now, did you major in English? I or? majored in English, Okay, yeah. so that, that uh, helps. That helped, you know, and, and it certainly, I learned some things there that helped me, and, and just, uh, you know, doing that kind of uh, coursework uh, helped to polish up my writing skills, and when I got into uh, working as an entry-level editor on American Rifleman was my first job at NRA. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it, I had the basic uh, writing and uh, editing skills to, to be a contributor. I, you know, I wasn't much, and I felt pretty useless the first <laughs> few months there. And I was wondering, well, these guys are going to catch on that I don't really know what yeah, I'm doing I'm here. an imposter. <laughs> right, but uh, they just kept giving me more work to do, and you know, and I would uh, hammer through it in one way or another. The Hornady Auto Charge Pro, providing precise, customizable powder dispensing in an easy to use, space saving unit. The new modernized load cell is precise to within 0.1 grain. The Auto Charge Pro offers customizable trickle speeds for various powder types, as well as custom trickle time settings. With a smaller footprint than competing brands, the Auto Charge Pro still offers a large powder capacity hopper. The Auto Charge Pro from Hornady. So NRA, American Rifleman, got you your first job in the industry. Yeah. Uh, did they yeah. publish your first your first works, your first article? Yeah, first... Oh, yeah, absolutely. My first ar- the first article I wrote and had published was a uh was a, a gun review on the Kimber 82C, which was a 22 Hornet, the first uh it was the first wave of Kimber rifles when Kimber first started up as as a gun company. They were wow. in Oregon at that time and uh uh they were making these really slick uh semi-fancy 22 rimfire rifles and then this was the first time they had branched out into a centerfire cartridge and I uh, they handed me that assignment I ran with it and you know I, I had grown up shooting groundhogs so it was a 
kind of a natural thing for me to to go out with a hornet and, yeah and uh put it through do that part of it very uh, cool and it just progressed from there what year was that that was 19 it was 1982 when i started to work for nra okay that article was published in the march 83 uh edition of american rifleman how cool is and, that yeah i'm very proud of that still. yeah so you started off with American Rifleman and American right. Hunter getting some legs under it as far as the publication well, goes? Well, American Hunter had started in 73, okay. so they were they were pretty well along and humming right along. It had grown really fast. It had gotten over a million uh, subscribers or members who who chose that as their magazine by within 10 years of the time they started it up. Interestingly enough, it didn't cannibalize from American Rifleman's readership because NRA was growing really fast okay. at the time. And so obviously American Hunter was filling a need of these new members who were coming in or something that they really wanted mm-hmm. and it helped NRA to grow at a really critical time right. uh, for it to grow. Uh, so then in uh, 1987, uh, I got switched over to American Hunter. They had some attrition and needed another editor and i was interested in hunting first and foremost right and so uh i got moved over and it it really clicked and uh then for the next 13 years i kind of worked my way up the ladder on american hunter and uh you know we were still all in the same uh small building with american riflemen and with the shooting sports usa and and some of the other uh ventures that uh, nra publications was doing so I contributed to uh, American Rifleman while I was an editor on American Hunter. Okay. And and actually vice versa. I had contributed to American Hunter while I was first there working on American Rifleman. I got to go to cover the uh, Olympics in 1984 in Los Angeles, the shooting events. Yeah. And so uh, we did a summary of that for American uh, Hunter and then some feature articles in American Rifleman. So that was a really cool thing. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can tell you, I couldn't believe what was happening to me and uh, Especially the opportunities a, that were coming yeah, my way. A young man, uh, passionate about the industry right. that he's in, and then getting to you know, get a go on assignments like the Olympics yeah. or some of the hunts yeah, that we'll was talk unbelievable. About. And then the hunting came later. And, uh, it, you know, the, the assignments were fairly sporadic at first. Uh, it would get to be uh, a bigger and more frequent thing uh, as I progressed. Uh, but I got to do some really neat hunts. In fact, the first, what I would call a hunt, it was a prairie dog shoot, actually. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, industry sponsors was Steve Hornet. Really? No kidding, yeah. It was, uh, and so that was- Was that here 19- in Nebraska? No, it was in Montana. Okay. Uh, up near Malta, Montana, which yeah. is north of Billings. Uh and uh, it was my first time to shoot prairie dogs. I had grown up shooting groundhogs, but this was a whole different thing, mm-hmm. a high volume and, you know, much longer distances than anything we had to shoot at back east and uh, got to use some great ammo. Um, oh, yeah. Of course. Actually, interestingly enough, there was some other companies who were co-sponsoring another ammunition company. Really? Federal was had uh, one of their fellows there, and, and so it was all uh, – all in good fun. I yeah. Mean, we would get done the day, and uh, if you open the door to the truck too fast, all the brass would spill out. <laughs> so, That's burning them down. It was, it was high-volume stuff. And, yeah. And uh, it was really fun. Yeah. And, and I got to meet 
some people in the industry that, you know, it's, it started something that was another uh, thing that I really treasured about being in this uh, line yeah. of work. And I feel like, you know, we'll talk about it more, but everyone I meet in this industry, especially on the outdoor writer side, they, they have a lot of the similar things to say, which is the relationships forged between the outdoor writing community and the, the companies that are, yeah. are you know, helping yeah. them is, is really what make this thing all worthwhile. Yeah. You know, because I've worked in this, this type of uh, side of the journalism profession and none other, I don't really know how it is for those others, but in this, you know, we're, we're advocacy journalists. We want to uh, encourage everyone, anyone and everyone to get out and shoot, Mm -hmm. to, to get out and hunt, to take advantage of these rights and, and opportunities that we have here in the United States. And we're lucky to have. Right. Uh, So, you know, it, it makes it uh, a more collegial situation. You know, there's competition still. We, at NRA Publications, we competed with the Peterson's Publishing Company. Oh, sure. And with Outdoor Life and those, and we wanted to beat them in some ways, but we were good friends with them also in some ways. And uh, it seems to me that runs through the whole industry. Sure. I'm sure it does. And I am on the the front end of kind of establishing some of those relationships now that I work in the outdoor writing space Mm -hmm. for Hornady. Um, Real quick, though, before we move on, uh, where was the NRA Publications located at that time? Well, when I first went to work, we were in downtown Washington, about three blocks up the street from the White House. Oh, we were boy. right at the corner of uh, 16th uh, Street and Rhode Island Avenue. Uh, and so that was kind of a culture shock for me to go work in the big city. Yeah. I had never really had the desire to do that. I never, you know, when I was growing up and even going through school, I had never imagined that even though i did have an ambition to work on some of these magazines several of which were located in new york city or los angeles uh so there is a little bit of uh miscalculation on my part as far as that goes Mm -hmm. uh but washington wasn't too far from my home and i'd been in and out of there uh you know enough that i didn't feel um you know i wasn't really worried about it you know i just went with it. I lived with some friends who, who were close by, uh, when I first went to work there before I got my own place. And, uh, I, I think that helped me. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it was an education. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Cultural <laughs> and, education. Uh, we worked there for, I worked there in that office building for five years. And then NRA was growing the staff at that time and we were running out of office space. So they had deemed that, uh, the publications division was the the division that was most compartmentalized, and they could move us to another location. And this was, I think, anticipating that the whole organization would probably move at some point. Okay. Uh, so they farmed us out to to another small office uh, park in uh, suburban Virginia, not far away, but but far enough out of the city that it really changed my lifestyle then good uh for the better yeah uh, i was able to get away uh go fishing and hunting more of the time the rifle ranges were closer uh, you know uh, going in and out of the building in washington i i uh, got some kind of a quasi license to handle firearms from the dc government 
But I was warned by my coworkers, you know, if you ever get stopped or if anybody asks you what you're doing carrying a gun case from the parking lot into the building, you know, if it's a policeman, he's probably not going to take your, that that the license cars, there yeah. <laughs> as a as a you know a, anything that he really needs to worry about. So. Sure. But nothing like that ever happened, fortunately. Good. Yeah, that was a good thing. And then we got out into Virginia, and it was no problem at all. We had a actually had a rifle range there, a small test range uh, in the building, and oh, wow. and so we were able to use that. And had a reloading shop there uh, to use, and and so that was a good a good yeah. scene. You know, yeah, we got Sounds a lot like done it. there, and I grew a lot during the seven years that I worked out there. Sure. So the way for our listener that it generally kind of works now, and I'm sure it was the same, maybe maybe a little bit different, I don't know, mm-hmm. is the company, say Hornady, for example, mm-hmm. we've got these new products. We're coming right. out with new products, and we want everybody to know about them. And so before we release them or right after we release them, we generally try to get events, whether they're hunts or long-range mm-hmm. shooting mm-hmm. schools or pistol classes right. or whatever, to get the influential riders a chance to get hands-on with the product and experience it so that they can give good accounts of, you know, the performance and how things work. And so uh, that's how it works now. And right. uh, I'm guessing it's how it worked back then as well. It, it is. I think that there's more of it being done oh, sure. uh, since about the year 2000, I think, at uh, companies like Hornady and and others became more aggressive about uh, working with the media in that way mm-hmm. and uh, got a lot more organized about it. And so there were more opportunities to do these remote uh, hunts and other kinds of shooting events. And uh, and it really helps a lot. You know, if we're just sent a rifle, I mean, we can review it. We can, we can do a workup on it and whatnot. But if we can get out and do some sort of focused activity that makes for uh, some more descriptive way of describing how the rifle functions or yep. how the, you know, the ammunition worked for us, then, you know, it makes for a better story. And our yes. readers yeah. benefited from it too. And when you got readership, you know, when you're talking in the millions, you know, right. you've got, yeah, that's, that's a big readership. Well, yeah, NRA, you know, I was fortunate that I worked in the biggest uh, publishing entity in the outdoors in, in the world, American Rifleman, you know, around 300 uh, or around 3 million uh, readers and uh, American Hunter, uh, around a million readers. And then we have other magazines or had other magazines, Shooting Illustrated. And uh, we had a magazine called NRA Women's Outlook, which we spun off into a website, uh, mm-hmm. NRA Women now. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, Shooting Sports USA. Uh, and, uh, we had a junior magazine for several years, uh, probably 30 years or so, wow. NRA Insights. Uh, and we, you know, when, you know, online media became a big thing, then we moved that there and, and uh, rebranded it and, re- and really retooled it into NRA Family. And that's a real popular media property for NRA now. And so it, it uh, you know, we really grew and, and we developed new products too as we yeah. went along. and. Uh, and uh, most of them worked out pretty good. 
The Hornady Rapid Safe Keypad Vault offers quick, dependable access to your firearm while providing security from unauthorized users. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault is constructed of a heavy-duty 14-gauge steel housing and thick steel lid for tamper-proof security. The included RFID watch band tag and RFID decal can be selectively programmed to open this safe and any other Rapid Safe you own. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault from Hornady Security. Good. Well, and you mentioned new products. So from the company side of it, that's one of the things when we're looking at media events mm-hmm. to get the outdoor writer, you know, community hands-on with a new product. Mm-hmm. It's usually because of a new innovation and you've had your hand in testing out some of those new innovations on some pretty spectacular hunts over the years and over the world. It sounds like your first media event with Steve Hornady himself shooting prairie dogs. Right. And, you know, uh, most recent. The seven millimeter PRC. Yeah, that's exactly right. About about a year ago, I guess, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, be p- pulled out of my retirement, uh, uh, taking it easy or not so easy as really the case is, uh, <laughs> to go along on a uh, South African safari. Which you know, it's, it may sound a little extravagant, but really, it's a great way to uh, to do product testing uh, a lot of for hunting. Because you get a lot more opportunities to, uh, you know, to see exactly firsthand what's happening there. I think on that hunt, as I figured it up when I wrote an article about it, we had killed our group about 35 big game animals within the space of a week. And, of course, we're all sharing the information uh, with one another. We come back in the evening and, you know, you catch up with everybody and talk about it. And so you can learn a lot really fast about the performance uh, of a product much more so than we can here yeah, not that one it's or not two deer valuable or to to do a deer hunt to try a new product out or an elk hunt or or a uh, duck hunt or whatever uh, but uh, the seven prc uh it's a perfect place to try it out uh and uh very it was very impressive you yeah. guys have hit a home run <laughs> with that one i know yeah that uh that you've heard that a lot. And, and of course, uh, you know, you've been hitting the series of home runs, uh, in the last, uh, 10 or 15 years. Uh, that's, uh, I've never seen anything quite like that. Good. Well, you know, beginning with, I mean, and I could go back further, but well, I'll just start with the six, five creed more because of the phenomenon that has been, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's been the number one product introduction I've seen during my career. Uh, and I've seen some really, what I thought were great stuff, you know, uh, I, I won't name everything, you know, sure. we could be here, uh, yeah. you know. But the Creedmoor, it really did. But the Creedmoor just surprised everybody, maybe not Dennis DeMille and, yeah, and Dave, uh, Emery. Dave Emery, but everybody else. I mean, I heard about it. I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, it sounds like a little bit more than a 243 and a little bit less than a 708. And yeah, that. That's good. Uh, but then the first time I shot it was with in a TC Icon, which is uh, it was a, very was nice a really rifle. good rifle. Really was. Really good rifle. And it's sort of a undervalued rifle, I think, or underappreciated in the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't believe the groups I was shooting. Cause I, it, Out of a know, hunting rifle. Yeah. I, and it was like, you know, I, I'm really not this good of a shot, <laughs> even from the bench. And uh, But it's for real, it was happening. Mm-hmm. So. It was very impressive. Yeah. And then with the uh, 
the PRCs, I don't know the 300 as well from personal experience, but everybody who does assures me that it's right there. It's mm-hmm. just a, a big brother uh, of those. But from what I've seen in the 6.5 and the 7, that's just two more really solid winners. And hard to believe that others can do their, you know, other cartridges will come along to supplant them, but you can never say never. And, right. And well, so, and with the confines of brass and barrel steel mm-hmm. and action material, and if we're going to use brass as the cartridge case, it, it's hard to beat the performance that you can get out of those things with factory ammo. You know, with a spicy hand load and a wildcat, you can probably do a little better. So, so that intrigued me if you, when you say something like that, because if not brass, is there something that you might be able to get the I don't know. better um, well, steel, performance from? Steel, steel obviously holds pressure pretty good, yeah, but right. uh, it's not a domestic steel wouldn't be a very uh but the cases wouldn't be as long lived with steel would they no they'd be because they're more brittle metal and yeah. so they would crack yeah earlier than a brass i'm not sure does. what the industry will turn to i mean there's people playing around now with steel case heads and polymer yeah, cases with polymer uh, and think. with that before this digresses but uh you have to consider that the action in the barrel are still made of the same material right and so you can make the case hold 120,000 pounds but What's the yield life of, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, or what's the stress life where it's going to, before it yields. Interesting to think about. Yeah. Though. It's been a lot of fun. And so you talked about Steve Hornady taking you on that first event, right. talked about the seven PRC and today you've been around the factory, you've interviewed Jason, you've interviewed Steve, and it seems like you spent a lot of time with Steve Hornady catching up. <laughs> Was there yeah. some, some more hunts between now and then? Uh, that stand out to you that you shared camp with Steve? I, I actually did get to hunt with Steve um, a handful of times and, and all really memorable hunts. Uh, we went to uh, Argentina and did a stag hunt with uh, muzzle loaders. Uh, oh, wow. That was, uh, I think that predated the uh, uh, lever evolution uh, introduction, but we had, you know, I was shooting a thirty thirty and shot a, a, a nice big red stag with it and it just, Dropped yeah. him like that. Now it wasn't a super long shot with the thirty yeah. thirty. It's not going to be, but it was uh, more than a hundred yards. And, yeah, you know, so uh, you know, gotta love lever had, actions. Had a good sneaking uh, stalk on it, and yeah, and uh, and then uh, you know something that was I think a precursor to what you're doing now with the PRCs and with the six five was uh, I went on an elk hunt with Steve around two thousand five or six, some, somewhere in there, to Wyoming, and uh, he had a new cartridge for me to use, the uh, 338 uh, RCM, mm-hmm. and uh, and we got there, and uh, it, it was kind of set up a little different. I don't think I had ever been on a travel hunt like that where we spent a whole day at the range before we went out on the hunt itself. Mm-hmm. I never had done that, but we took the time to do that there. We were near Cody, Wyoming, and so there was a good range. Yeah. Steve had it all scoped out, and uh, and so we took the time to figure out, you know, where's this rifle hitting at, you know, out to Various 500 ranges. yards. Yep. Never thought that, that I would end up shooting it that far, but in fact, once we got to hunting and the opportunities came and the, you know, the time went slipping by, uh, we got on a good bull uh, who was be- that was bedded down with, I don't know how many, but maybe 30 cows. I yeah. mean, it was a, a lot an of incredible eyes on, yeah. thing. 
an all open country. And then, you know, I'm sure they could see us. We had uh, four guys and a camera, so five people all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was probably 350 yards away. And uh, cows started getting up and going straight away from us. And of course, the bull did too. And, you know, I, I'm on him and, and, and good, but. I'm not really wanting to take a Texas hard shot. Right, not on an elk. Not that. And, uh, uh, you know, the uh, I I just waited, and uh, I pretty much figured that it was not going to happen, but he did finally stop and gave me enough of a, turned enough to give me uh, a good shoulder. Uh, and, and the range was 507, so. I, I knew where to hold, whether I could make that shot or not was iffy, but I did, you know, and dropped him just like that. Wow. And, uh, you know, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Uh, what a relief. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. I think everybody was, but everybody was also very impressed. And uh, what makes that all the more remarkable was that the uh, the outfitter was kind of a specialized, an early specialist in long-range hunting, mm. and he had a rifle that was all doped in with the scope that he was importing himself, uh, and he was, when we first met him at his house, he was insisting that we ha- would have to use his rifle. Well, you know, Steve Hornady wasn't having any of that. No. He had bought this hunt, and, uh, you know, for a purpose, and uh, this was the purpose, and so we got that straightened out, and uh, and it all worked out great. and. Uh, that's remarkable. That and is remarkable. I know the, the 300 RCM and the 338 RCM are some of Steve Hornady's personal favorite we cartridges spoke about to this it today. Day. And he told me uh, that uh, he, is, he just did a goat hunt not too long ago. It's incredible for a guy in his mid-70s to, to go goat hunting. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not quite that old, but getting there, and I, I can't really imagine that. But, you know, I'm, I'm you know, inspired just by yeah. talking to him <laughs> right? about it. And he used the 300 RCM on that hunt. So I was glad to hear that. And, uh, you know, when I saw what the, the 338 RCM could do there, and from a short action rifle. Uh, short you know, barrel. Short barreled rifle that I just thought, this is it, you know. This is this is the answer for a lot of elk hunters here, or it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, it didn't turn out to be that way. Right. But it should yeah, those are cool cartridges, and, and uh, it neat to hear that perspective. Now, did you ever get to share a hunting camp with Jason? I never actually did. Okay. I met him uh, quite some years ago. Uh, he was actually working for the Redfield Optics Company in Denver at the time, and mm-hmm. I went there to pay a call, uh, and, uh, you know, I was uh, fortunate in uh, getting to meet him, and uh you know, of course, I knew his dad a little bit from sure. from hunting with him, and uh, so it it uh, you know I was really impressed with Jason. He was obviously a super sharp guy, mm-hmm. and you know I walked out of there, you know, wondering why isn't he working in Hornady? And uh, today I I kind of learned the answer to that, but you're gonna have to read my article in American yeah. Rifleman to get if the full you story. Find that out, right? right. The Hornady Security Fireproof Keypad Safe. 
with a heavy-duty 16-gauge steel body, extra-thick 8-gauge steel door, and four 1-inch diameter locking lugs, the Fireproof Safe achieves a fire rating of 30 minutes for up to 1400 degrees Fahrenheit. Both the interior and adjustable shelf are covered in a protective carpet that offers flexible storage configurations while safeguarding valuables from damage. The Fireproof Keypad Safe from Hornady Security. So that, that's neat, though, that you get the perspective of knowing Steve, sharing camp right. with Steve, and then also knowing Jason, and you can see, you know, some of the similarities and also some of the differences of those two. Well, yeah, I, w I would say that uh, they're both really sharp guys, and uh, they both, you know, obviously have a love for hunting and, uh, you know, uh, a real regard for or professional pride in what they're doing now, but you know, what I got from talking with both of them this morning and and especially from Steve in the past, but I think Jason's the exact same way, is how much they value, you know, this business that their father built here, not so much for, uh, you know, the professional opportunity it gave them and, you know, for being able to make a good living from it, but, uh, you know, that they're able to operate something that so many people in their community can work there and they can affect the lives of those people. You know, we, I, they both, I just kind of nudged them in that direction a little bit when I was speaking with them and they went on at length about how much that means to them mm -hmm. and how they feel a, a sense of responsibility to their workers. And it, it's just the best of, of corporate America as far as I'm concerned. It, it is. And having, you know, worked for both of those gentlemen currently, I can uh, attest to that. I mean, it's for the real thing, yeah, too. It is. It's they, not just something they're no. telling a, a, a writer who's no. uh, you can interviewing tell, them. As an employee, you can tell how they treat you and how they treat everyone in the company. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just been in pretty neat. Now, I want to kind of wrap this all up with, it's a dream job, John. You've it got, is. You know, like, I'm <laughs> I not was sure really were, lucky. I'm yeah. not sure if you were passionate about writing right away or if that you were drawn uh, to I it. I always... Uh, yeah, I always saw myself as, you know, I had had uh, some talent for that right from early on. When I was, uh, you know, maybe junior high in 4-H, I, I won an essay contest and mm. got, a, got a heifer for that. And oh, so, wow. So that was good. That was the start of my professional. Yeah. Judge, you hear that? You write a good article. You guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and a, a good Holstein heifer. So that was, you know, I was proud of that. Come around here. And so I just figured this is something i could do uh since i wasn't uh, good at uh, you know baseball or football and had no interest in uh, becoming a doctor or a politician or you yeah. know is a a, yeah. a next good thing for me to do and i've i've heard this question from a lot of folks that see you know i've got some friends that are outdoor writers or they'll ask me personally like oh, wow how do you do that for a living and i i really like your story that you you figured it out okay i can i could People have to write these articles that I'm reading. Yeah, I could be one of those guys. Well, you've really got to go for it. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't. Gotta... It's just not going to come to you, and that's pretty much anything in life, yeah, right. I think. Uh, but it's possible to do that. I mean, you you really should write about what you what you're really passionate about, and what you love. And mm -hmm. so, for me, with the hunting and shooting, uh, you know, I mean, that was I was drawn to that, and as soon as I started to experience the outdoor magazines and read some of the books that were out there uh you know i i knew that that was something that i would like to do and so 
I was just you I was pretty it. uh pretty adamant with myself that this is what I was going to do, and I was just, just going to find out and get in there yeah. somehow. Well, I guess you could say it kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out better yeah. than it. You know, I really deserved it too, but you know, I I, I you know gave value to my employer and and to the uh, companies the you work with. It, and, you know, it worked for both of us. And so yep. that's why it went on for so long. Yeah. And obviously you enjoyed it. And it's, like I said, it's just great to hear how you, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And then you went after it with probably some, with some, with some passion. Yeah. I mean, I got laughed out of some yeah. places and. What are you going to uh, do? Who's laughing now? It didn't, it didn't stop me. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Know? And I, you know, again, I get that question. How, how's that a real job? How do I do that? And the reality is, yeah. you the can. You that just people have, to, have to know, though, is, you know, what well, I didn't. It wasn't being a professional hunter. I didn't. You know, no, no, it wasn't no. really getting paid to go hunting. Although there were a lot of days I got paid that I did go hunting. Yeah. Uh, but ninety percent of the time, my butt was in a chair or on you know doing keyboard. Yeah, on the keyboard. You know, doing editorial work. And so either you've got to really have a gift for that and a passion for that too. Mm -hmm. It's not really going to be a good job for you. So that's kind of uh, maybe the first thing to look at that part of it rather than the, uh, you know, the, uh, the fortunate uh, part of it where you get to go out and shoot on a lot. And there are actually other jobs where, you know, maybe you would be doing more of that too and like guiding or, or things like that. And so sure. there, there's some opportunities out yeah. there, but, uh, for anybody who, who really does, uh, feel like, you know, I can do this with the writing, uh, editing is really just a sort of a jazzed up type of writing. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, at going to a rural school like I did and where yeah. like a lot of us mm-hmm. did around here, I didn't know that outdoor writing was even a thing you know i would read peterson's hunting and uh-huh. american hunter and i'd read those magazines but it never really clicked to me that somebody is have a full-time job to to write this stuff yeah well you know i would see the bylines in there and then you know as i became a more regular reader i would recognize the same ones sometimes in different magazines but you know and then i caught on to looking at the masthead where they l- would list out the editor's names and you know these were real people with with jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was just a job yeah. that I, I knew I could do if I got the opportunity and it took a while and I had to jump through a bunch of hoops yeah. and start at the bottom and very much at the <laughs> bottom, but, uh, you yeah. know, but it was a good place to start because I really enjoyed it. I was completely, uh, um, obsessed with doing it and, uh, and I enjoyed learning, you know, how to, how it was all done and how it all came together. And, and, uh, you know, it didn't take me, you know, though I told you at first I was worried that, uh, you know, I wasn't contributing enough and mm-hmm. imposter know, syndrome, yeah. but, uh, it didn't take me long to get over that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you stuck <laughs> it out for the 40 plus years now right. and um, and you're still contributing. And for all of us that grew up reading your stuff, you know, a big heart. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for reading all of our stuff from NRA Publications. I appreciate it. I still, uh, they uh, gave me the title Editor Emeritus uh, after I retired, so I'm still hooked in there in some kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. It's a voluntary position, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm, I'm happy with it. And so we do appreciate all of our readers and uh, 
encourage the rest of you guys to join NRA and become one. Awesome, John. Well, with that, I'll leave it. Thank you very much yeah, for coming on the welcome. show. And My pleasure. Thanks for coming out here. Yeah, well, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you enjoyed this show with guest John Zent, an awesome career in the outdoor writing space for the NRA publications. Like he just mentioned, if you haven't, join the NRA, be an advocate for the Second Amendment, the advocate for the hunter, for the shooter. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next one.